Hello, I'm Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Today on Personally Speaking, I'll be joined by singer, pianist, and actor Harry Connick Jr. Harry's latest album is called Alone With My Faith. Please stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and the multi-talented singer, actor, and musician Harry Connick Jr. joins me now. Harry began performing as a pianist and vocalist at the age of five in his native New Orleans. By the age of 22, Harry's soundtrack to When Harry Met Sally achieved double platinum status, and Harry won his first Grammy Award. He went on to make many more albums while adding to his acting career. Harry has appeared in 20 films, including Dolphin Tale with Morgan Freeman, Hope Floats with Sandra Bullock, and P.S. I Love You with Hilary Swank. He's been seen in a number of television roles, including playing Deborah Messing's husband on Will and Grace, and his returning role as a judge on American Idol. In the fall of 2016, he landed Harry, a national daytime television show, which earned 11 nominations, Emmy nominations, in its two seasons. Harry received a Tony nomination for lead actor in the Pajama Game on Broadway. He last appeared on Broadway in December of 2019 in Harry Connick Jr., A Celebration of Cole Porter. Harry's latest album is called Alone With My Faith. In addition to traditional and familiar songs like How Great Thou Art and Amazing Grace, Harry wrote and recorded new music that tells the story of his experience during the lockdown when he was alone with his faith. Harry's married for over 25 years to Jill, and together they have three daughters, Georgia, Sarah, Kate, and Charlotte. He's here with us today to tell us about his new album, his marriage, his family, his faith, and his values. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, Grammy and Emmy Award-winning singer and actor Harry Connick Jr. Before we go to our interview with Harry, let's listen to Harry singing How Great Thou Art from his latest album. The album is called Alone With My Faith. Oh, Lord. My God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the Thy power throughout the universe displayed Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee How great Thou art How great Okay, we're here with Harry Connick Jr. And I want to start, Harry, by saying that a few years ago on uh, a television program that I was hosting at the time, my guest was Aaron Neville, who I know is an old friend of yours. When we talked about his faith, uh, 
a lot of stammering and stuttering and, and not a whole lot of sentences put together, God bless him. The guy opens his mouth to sing the Ave Maria, and his whole spiritual life is revealed in being able to sing his faith instead of talking it. Are you trying to do the same thing? Are you explaining in some way what you believe, how you believe by the use of music? Absolutely. I think music kind of takes over sometimes where words leave off. And yeah. it's certainly true in, in this case. I mean, you take a song like The Old Rugged Cross. Yeah. We could talk about, you know, your feelings about the cross and what it means. I could talk about my feelings. But something happens when you add a melody and you add some harmonies to it. Um, it just takes it to a different place. Um, and, and I like that place. And sometimes I find that it, I'm, uh, it's easier for me to articulate my feelings uh, probably in the same way that Aaron was by, by singing or by playing a certain chord, because um, I think those are gifts that God gave us. And, and you know, we we should use them when we can. We uh, we started our, our program, Harry, by playing Alone With My Faith. Um, I'm just wondering, how do you write a song? It, it's a great question, and I think it's different for everyone. But for me, it's about the idea. I'm sure, my senior, when you're uh, writing your sermon, you, 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 you go back to the very basic idea that the gospel is, is giving you. you. You study it, you know it, and then you figure out a way to get it from that page into our brains and hearts. And it's the same thing with a song. I think, what am I trying to say? Well, on that particular song, I'm alone. I was literally alone in the studio. There were no other musicians. I had all the instruments. I played them. I did all the vocals. I set up the microphones. And the one thing I felt I had with me was my faith. Mm -hmm. But quite frankly, my senior, there were times when I, I struggled with it. Um, there were times during the pandemic when you know, I, I really was having a rough time. There were other times when my faith was firing on all cylinders. And that's what this song is about. It's about this, the spectrum of, of faith. So I, I wrote kind of how I was feeling, very basic sentences like, my world has changed. I got to look a little, little deeper at myself, just little sentences. And then over time, it kind of starts to take the form of a poem and then rhyme starts to come into it. And then I think of a melody. What, what would be a good melody for that? And then the harmonies come in. Uh, and then the arrangement happens. So it's, it's really uh, starting from a place of nothing and then thinking about what I want to say. And then the process of making it into a song. Not to get too heavily spiritual, Harry, but do you feel inspired? You know, it's so funny, my senior inspiration to me. I think I'm going to try to write a book about this one day because I don't feel as much the song, How Great Thou Art, right? I hear the rolling thunder. I see the stars. Yeah. Those things are inspiring and they should be inspiring. But I feel that inspiration comes from within. And I try to mm -hmm. dig deeper and deeper and deeper into the gifts that God gave me to find my inspiration. So yeah, I feel like I'm inspired, but it's a different kind of inspiration than when you see, you know, a bald eagle fly overhead or right, a right. sunset. Cause I want to be able to be alone and be inspired. So yes, to answer your question, I feel yeah. that, that it, it, I am in, inspired be, because of the, you know, the, the gift of faith. You, you use Harry, a comparison, a good one in terms of preaching. There are times where I put together a homily and someone will say, this particular thing that you said was exactly what I needed. And it came from somewhere. 
And I don't remember even saying it, much less that it touched them. And I think, does this come from above or is it from within? But I guess true inspiration, even if it comes from within, is ultimately a godly gift, which is what you're saying, too. Um, For our listeners, Harry put this album together during the pandemic. And in many ways, it sounded like a retreat-like experience to go deep in himself. I mention that because the pandemic for Harry is not just something that's, uh, it's a shame that all these people die, but he has spoken about uh, the fact that it hit close to home. Harry, can you tell us in particular, I I know there's a a dear priest friend of yours who passed, how you knew this priest and and what he meant to you. Sure. Well, I moved to New York when I was 18, back in 1986, and I lived at the 92nd Street Y, and a couple of blocks away was Our Lady of Victory Church. And I got to be honest with you, my senior, I I wanted to find a church. My dad, you know, being the strong Catholic that he is, (laughs) the first thing he said was, as soon as you hit the ground in New York, go find a church. So I did want to find a church to celebrate mass, but I was also broke and I was looking for an opportunity to make some cash. So I figured, you know, if I introduce myself to, to the folks at this church, maybe they'll hire me as a church organist or pianist. And they did. And there was Father Richard Guastella who uh, was at the church, who like really helped me. Like they paid me like 25 bucks to play two masses. But after every mass or virtually every mass, you have to keep in mind, I was 18. I, I didn't have, you know, a social life. I was pretty much by myself. Father would take me across the street and buy me a hamburger. And we would just talk about faith. We would talk about spirituality. We talk about whatever, but he was my friend and he, and he, and he was so kind to me. Well, cut to years later, I met my then girlfriend, now wife, Jill. We were going to get married. We wanted to get married in the church. And I I call uh, Father Richard. I said, Father, will you do us the honor? So he came down to New Orleans and uh, and married us. And, you know, we found out last year he had gotten COVID and and died not long after. So, you know, we know he's in heaven now. And, and, um, you know, we I'm just glad I got to know him for the time that I did. That's great. A wonderful man, a wonderful priest, and a kind to a guy who was on, on, on the lookout for a good hamburger, huh? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I want to ask you a little bit, too, about uh, this experience of, of the pandemic. How do you explain when bad things like this happen to really good and innocent people, uh, even to your kids? Like, do you try to make sense of why bad things happen to good people? Why are innocent people dying? Do you have any insight into that at all? And I don't claim to have it myself, by the way. Uh, no, sir, I, I don't have any insight to it. And what I tell my kids is um, a, a lot of people blame God when, when this stuff happens. And I, I, that, that I don't do because I think God created us. We have our own free will. Things happen on this planet and some things we have no control over. And that's part of the mystery of faith. And I, I don't think God's up there, you know, right sending down a pandemic or a hurricane. I don't think it works like that. I'm not an expert, but these are the things that are a result of our humanity and where we live on this planet. And um, that's not for me to try to understand. But what for me, what what I do try to understand is how can I handle these adversities with grace, with um, patience and with understanding. And those are things that I'm constantly working to improve. Harry Connick Jr. is a junior, and I mentioned that because a moment ago he mentioned his fat, his dad and his dad's faith. Uh, I want to go back to something about your dad. Maybe you can give an insight into the kind of man he is. Uh, I remember reading some years ago that he went to Mass every day, and that the guy who said Mass every day was a priest who it turned out was one of the worst abusers of kids. Your dad, as the lawman for New Orleans, had to ultimately prosecute. 
When something like that happens, where you're trusting someone with the Eucharist, with Mass, with faith, your father didn't give up on the faith, though, did he? Never, no, because I think my dad understands that, um, you know, we're all, we're all, how do I say this, my senior? Um, the faith is bigger than that. And um, I used to complain sometimes. I'd go to church and there'd be a, a homily that, you know, I don't like this priest or, you know, whatever. And my dad's <laughs> like, what difference does it make? And yeah. I said, well, you know, I, that would be an excuse. For, well, I'm, I'm not going to church this Sunday because I don't like the priest. My dad says nothing to do with it, man. Yeah. You know, if you happen to get a fantastic priest, good for you. But it's really about the words, you know, in that gospel. It's about yeah. the, the communal prayer. And um, and he's absolutely right. But my dad, man, he, boy, he, he has set a high bar for me as a Catholic who's trying to make it through. I mean, he is. Gosh, he's, you know, he's dedicated the last 10 years to the Holy Spirit and has written prayers that I think one day may even be recognized in some way by the church. They're legitimate. Wow. He said, we talk about the Father, we talk about the Son, but we really don't talk enough about the Holy Spirit. And, yeah. and, and he's dedicated his life to that. He's in the process. He's 94. <laughs> he's in the process of building a chapel dedicated to the Holy Spirit. Um, wow. Believe me, he's going to solicit <laughs> me to come sing for some fundraisers. <laughs> He, man, he boy, he is a fantastic Catholic. He really is. He's the real deal. Well, now, not to give short shrift to mom, when you look back at the way you were raised and the values that were uh, handed off to you, what did your parents do right in raising you? Uh, they well, they, they were my parents, and I love them, and and I'm so blessed to have had the experience I had. But I think some people may look at it as an unorthodox childhood because my dad is a devout Catholic. He always has been. Okay. Um, my mother was a Jew who, by the time I came around, was pretty much non-denominational. Okay. And although she believed in things like reincarnation, okay. <laughs> she was also an expert on the Bible. She knew more about the Bible than most Christians I knew. She was studying wow. it. She she understood it. But here's the, the thing. She didn't want me and my sister to get baptized as babies because she wanted us to decide for ourselves. Right. Now, right. we could go on all day about... <laughs> <laughs> benefits of going up in the church and right, right. maybe the benefits of coming at it from a different perspective. Well, the latter was what happened with me. My mom died when I was 13. Wow. I had been going to church my whole life with my dad and I decided I wanted to be part of that community. So I got baptized and confirmed on the same day when I was 13. I'm sure you remember Archbishop Hannon. Sure. He, he confirmed me and I feel like... Wow. I feel cool, you know, because he was such a cool guy. He, and, he uh, was. and I, and I, you know, it, it's, it's given me some, some struggle because I didn't have that kind of beaten into me as a kid. Right. Right. In some ways it, it was kind of a blessing because for whoever I am today, it's a result of kind of going on that journey more by myself. Yeah. No. When I talk to the confirmation kids now, I kind of push what you did. I, I say, look, I don't want you just collecting one more sacrament. You know, you got your first communion and confession and baptism. I want you now to say this is what you want. And it sounds like that's what you did. Yes, sir. And, and I think it's um, I think it's fantastic that that you do that. You know, you you have a gift. And, and just from talking to you, you know, for a little while, there, there's a this is why I wanted to be a Catholic, because there there are certain people who have been given a, a gift of, of making people feel comfortable and, and making this mystery seem a little bit more accessible. And you have yeah. that. And, and it's, I can, those kids are lucky to have you and 
your perspective on all of that. Thank you, Harry. I hope I hope that's what I'm doing. Years ago, the first interview I ever did was with the film director, Frank Capra, you know, of It's a Wonderful Life. And, of course. Uh, he had left the Catholic Church for a while because uh, he wanted to be successful. He said in America, being a wasp was the way to be successful. So as an immigrant, he figured, I'll be Protestant and I'll be... Uh, I'll be more widely accepted. But he said he ultimately came home to the church because the one missing piece he couldn't find anywhere else was the Eucharist, was communion. Uh, do you get a chance with all the traveling you're doing to visit different churches and and get communion in different places? And and uh, what's that like? I, I do. I, I like that. You know, I, I'll be honest. I, I don't make it every Sunday. And um, I, it's a terrible thing. I should go every Sunday. This is Sunday. not confession, Harry. Okay. Well, <laughs> if it was confession, it'd take us a lot longer than this time we have for this interview. Um, but no, I do. And, and I like going, like if I'm in Europe, um, I like going to church in France or Spain or where I don't know what's going on. I mean, I know the, the, the mass, but I don't understand the specifics of the language and that Eucharist is the same. It's like music, you know, it's universal. Yeah. So yeah. that is a nice feeling. And I like the feeling of, I remember going to church, um, on, uh, a beach in Perth, Australia. And wow. I mean, this is like, I think literally the most remote city <laughs> in the world. <laughs> and I went to church. And it was filled with kids in like tank tops wow. and board shorts. Like they had come off the beach to, I couldn't believe it. There, there, it was, it was a bunch of kids and it smelled like, you know, suntan lotion. And <laughs> thought, wow, this is pretty cool. So I like that. I like, I like seeing how people worship in different ways. Yeah. The, uh, I, I was intrigued too by your mom's uh, background story, Long Island in New York, where I live, uh, there's tons of interfaith marriage, Catholic, Jewish. And when we do pre-Cana, we say it doesn't have to be a problem because we're all part of the same family. Did, did you get anything or learn anything from your Jewish roots that actually serves the whole faith? Um, I just learned about the, the depth of the history of it. I mean, yeah. my mother wasn't a practicing Jew. So, I mean, other than the occasional gefilte fish we got to eat or <laughs> Manischewitz or, you know, you know, things like that, I, I really wasn't educated in the Hebrew faith, but I, I did learn about, you know, where we came from as, as Catholics, you know, as a result of, of that. And it's, it's very powerful. I mean, it's, it's an ancient history. And, and, and I feel, I think I did a, a show called Finding Your Roots where they do a, um, uh, they, they do a paper trail, uh, which was hard with Jews because it doesn't exist you know, as much as if you have, you know, a white, you know, European lineage that goes back the paper right. trail, but the DNA was all European, except for this one sliver that the man said came from four Jewish women, uh, Ashkenazi Jews at the time of Christ. You can tr trace that DNA back that far. And I was like, wow, like yeah. it just was, you know, I've, I felt so small and I felt like I was part of this, this cool history. You know, you're you're, uh, you're very comfortable talking about your faith and about being a Catholic. Uh, Kelly O'Hara was a guest on our show, and I know you know Kelly uh, and Victoria Clark around the same time. Two great Broadway actresses. But Amazing. Both of them as devout Christians said that, especially sometimes in the Broadway community, that when you practice your faith, it kind of puts you out of the mainstream of secular society. They weren't apologizing in any way. They're just saying sometimes it's hard to be uh, a Christian who's uh, unapologetic about their faith. Do you get any kind of pressure for being a guy who never? Was, and I don't really understand what that means because I have never had anyone treat me any differently when I said I was Catholic ever wow. in my life. Okay. Um, I don't know what that means. I mean, we hear say, well, the Catholics are getting beat up in the press. I think, understandably, there's stuff that's happened in the Catholic Church that you know needs to be addressed yes. and there needs to be consequences <laughs> for. But 
no one has ever like said, oh, I'm not talking to him. I, in my entire yeah. life, I haven't experienced that. Now, maybe things have happened, like maybe people don't watch me on TV or they don't listen to me. I don't know, but I'm also not a preacher. If somebody asks me yeah. about my faith, I'm happy to talk about it, but I don't, I've never, I don't know what, I love Kelly to death. She, she's like a sister to me, but I don't know what she means by that. Like, I don't know what it means to not be able to talk about your faith. Yeah. And, and the other one, uh, uh, Kristen Chenoweth said something similar, but she says she just puts it right out front. Hey, this is who I am. But she kind of, I mean, she gets it from both ends. You know, she's very Christian. And uh, so some people in the more liberal populations don't like that. But she said, hey, uh, my God is first and everything else is second. And uh, you're saying it hasn't been a problem for you, which is terrific. Yeah, I mean, like that. I have liberal friends who, you know, are atheists and liberal friends who are devout Roman Catholics. Wow. The same on the conservative side. Like it, it just, I don't know. I, I don't live, I don't worry about it. it like it doesn't even enter yeah. my mind. I love everybody. You know, I, I, I have gay, straight, Jewish, yeah, yeah. Buddhist. I, I, and it's not about even accepting these people or tolerating them. Yeah. I really love them. Yeah. And I would hope that they would love me too. So, you know, I, I don't, Maybe I'm ignorant. No, or no, I'm. I'm glad. That's to Harry. I like to hear this. That people are are really being fundamentally accepting of who you are, what you believe. It's not an issue. Thank God. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Um. Let Let me ask you this. The, uh, the I think the first Harry Connick album I have is like when you were 19, uh, and all the all the ones in between. But I mentioned that because when you were very young and you're trying to make it in this business and you have success and stuff, uh, is it is it who keeps you grounded? Like you've gone through the struggling years, but now you've had great success in every walk of entertainment. Uh, who, who brings you back down to ground? Well, if you're talking about actual people, it's my father. Um, I think about um, him, what he thinks is appropriate, you know, and he, he just doesn't tolerate anything, you know, you know, if you come out acting all <laughs> cocky and he didn't, doesn't play that. My wife, my family, um, yeah. they, they, they are people I respect and I, admire. And uh, I just try to, you know, listen, I'm far from perfect. Anybody will tell you that, but I, <laughs> those are the people in my life among many others who remind me that, you know, I ain't nothing special and I'm not. And and I yeah. just want to keep trying to get better. I think that's great. So even if lots of people blowing smoke up your dress, there's somebody to say, Hey, Harry, calm down. Well, if I were wearing a dress, I'd have a whole different group of people <laughs> I'd be hanging out with. Okay, I'll use another example. <laughs> let, let me ask you, too, because I, I do wonder about this. Um, in my my practice of uh, my parish, I do so many weddings that I, uh, I ask every couple to write me an essay. Why, of all the people in the world they could marry, why is this the one? Now, I don't know, you know, when you and Jill got married, what you did in terms of preparation, but... If you had to write that essay, what what is there about this woman that made you say there's a billion women out there I could marry, but I just know this. Well, I don't is think the there woman. are a billion. I, she said yes, so I grab I grabbed the opportunity <laughs> when it came. I was like, really? Okay, here we are, Father. Um, no, I, I, she um, she's an inspiration to me. There there are many things about her that uh, that I don't possess. Um, she has a uh, a certain sense of self that's that she's always had. Um, she's, she's confident in, in who she is. Um, she's, uh, observant. She's not quick to jump into a situation impulsively. These are all things that I'm not. 
<laughs> and um, and I've learned from her. I, you know, she's the type of person who, if we would go on vacation, you know, I leave the suitcase at the front desk and I want to go out on the beach and go parasailing. She's the type of person who will take her bag up to the room, unpack, kind of get settled, and, you know, and then maybe we can't go parasailing today. Maybe we'll go to dinner and talk about what, what we're going to do tomorrow. And that's that was very hard for me to learn that sometimes that's the best way to do things is to kind of see what's going on. So she's she's a patient, good woman. And, and, um, and she well, she has to be patient if she's married to me. And she <laughs> she's just but she's my best friend. I just love her. I love that you say that about it. You probably tell her that even now after 25 or more years of marriage. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I want to ask you what I call the kind of the Derek Jeter question. When we had Jeter on, I said, you know, every American kid, every guy certainly wants to be a successful baseball player, popular, have all the things he has going for him. I said, why, why Derek, of all the kids in the world who want to be you, why did God choose you to be you? And uh, he said, I don't know, but I'm not going to ask him because I don't want him to change his mind, you know? <laughs> uh, but I, I'm wondering... All the opportunities you've had, all the gifts you have, uh, not just to write, to sing, but to act, to do so many things. Have you ever asked yourself why the man upstairs decided, I'm giving these gifts to Harry. I hope he uses them well. Well, yes, of course. I I don't understand, you know, why we are who we are. I, I was talking to His Excellency Cardinal Dolan about this, and, and I, I, I said, uh, Cardinal, people ask me about my faith all the time. He said, well, that's good. I said, well, no, they, they ask me all the time. And and why me? Like, I'm not, I'm not the perfect Catholic. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not a, a historian. I'm not an expert on the, on the church. I try to learn what I can. He said, that's exactly why he said, you're in the public eye and you don't know everything and you're still learning and people can relate to that. He said, you're a perfect example of somebody who is trying to make it as a Catholic every day who struggles with their faith sometimes yeah. and you're in the public eye. And I think, you know, and it really made me feel b better about that. So I, I don't know why I was, cause so, let's be honest. Some of us are given talents. I didn't ask to be able to play the piano, mm -hmm. but I do recognize that it's a gift and that I feel like it's expected of me to, to return the favor and, and, and not only develop the, the craftsmanship of the gift, but to use the platform that I have as a result of that gift to do what I think is right. And, you know, everybody has a different opinion of that, but you know, that's, that's my opinion. Alone with my faith is Harry Connick Jr.'s newest album. I hope our listeners will, will pick it up. Uh, I thank you so much, Harry, for being not just now, but always so forthcoming. So upfront, you are who you are by the grace of God. You don't hide it. You don't pretend to be anything you're not. And it's refreshing as heck. And thank you for being with us today. Thanks Monsignor. It was my pleasure. Take care, Harry. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. To listen to Personally Speaking, uh, the podcast with some of our most recent shows, you should also go to YouTube and search under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti. And don't forget to check like and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also available as a podcast on personallyspeakingpodcast.buzzsprout.com. You can also listen to past episodes by going to www.CloseEncounterTV.com and clicking on the radio button at the top of the page. You can also find past shows and Monsignor Jim's weekly homilies by going to www.OLLMP.org. Go to the homepage, and if you're able to help and support us in any way in our radio ministry, we'd be deeply, deeply grateful. Personally Speaking is also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti. 
please share and let others know about Personally Speaking. Personally Speaking is made possible with the help of many generous and wonderful individuals. I hope you'll be one of them. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer of Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.